Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host, that's T Diddy, NFL on Twitter box, and at the Paddy Packer on its. It's It's very. Paddy Packer. Again, horrendously racist. Mm, Unbelievable. We have to tone down the anti Irish sentiment because we have a full blooded Irishman on the podcast uh, to tell us all about the Jones. Peter Jones! No, he's not. You're Welsh, Pete, right? That'd be more of the influence with the Jones. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Daryl, is every player that played for the Welsh national team a Jones? Or a Williams. Williams. Williams or Jones. Are you not allowed on yeah. if you're not a Williams or Jones? Is that I don't the... think so. No, okay. don't think so. Ever play for the national team, Peter? Um, unfortunately not. Yeah. That would have been, that would have been my... To, um, to have played rugby for Wales would have been my... You know, my life's... My life would have been complete. Yeah, that probably would have yeah. came up before now, I guess. <laughs> like, Peter, yeah. is that you playing on Sunday? Yes, Steve. Yeah. Um, I'm very sore. Um, it's I've great. not given up hope. <laughs> yeah, well, look, you've probably more of a chance of playing the O-line for the Packers. We all know this. Uh, than actually suiting them for Wales. Um, they're big boys. Um, so, look, it's the draft. We have usually three draft podcasts. We focus on, you know, general needs, offense. Then we talk about defense. And then we talk about sort of final thoughts. Daryl, this is your first time... Um, being in with the draft stuff. Now, Peter leads the charge on all this because the draft document is mm-hmm. um, just a, you know, like people always say, oh, I want to write a novel one day and here's Pete knocking them out annually. You know what I mean? That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Um, so we're going to get into your process, Pete. But before we do that, Daryl, the yes. draft, um, yes. all of this process, how are you finding it this year? Well, this year, I'm actually pretty excited about it unlike other years where you know I've, I'm obviously interested in the draft but I mean this I suppose the key thing for this year for me is the way the team has been basically retained mm. almost 100% from last year so I always when I look at the draft and I think Peter you've summarized it really well in the beginning of this and if anyone hasn't got their hands on this get up onto the website it's also a link to it on Twitter download it it's 319 pages of really good information and very pretty little pictures well, now, hold on. Right, let's pictures. just stop there, right? Peter may have spent a full year painstakingly and into the late nights doing words, but I did draw a couple of pictures for it. So, um, look, I'm not saying that's the most important part of the draft guide, but I am saying it's maybe the most important part of the draft. I, I just think, it. you know, the words are great and all, but... Everyone loves them. They even make sense. They're loving sentences. They're loving a picture book. Yeah, they're in. They're in. They sentences. do love a picture book. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So, but anyway, looking at it, I mean, Peter's summary is very clear about you know what is the point of a draft? What are you drafting for? Yeah. Are you drafting for the immediate needs? Are you drafting for future needs? And it's really interesting this year for the Packers, especially because uh, I think we're going to get to it here with the offense in particular for today's episode. But we're almost, I think, plugging gaps this year. Or, you know, how much are we plugging gaps? How much are we backing up what the current roster that we have? And how much are we looking to the future? So last year you saw with Love coming in, there's a future pick straight away. But it's going to be really interesting this year when you look at what Goody does when he's in his, you know, drafting bunker Mm. come this day next week. Who is he going to pick? What is he picking for? Is he picking to plug a gap or is he picking for the future? And I think it's going to be extremely obvious when, when we do see who is picked as to what his rationale is. What is he picking for? Yeah, I mean, Pete, look, you've done this unbelievable draft guide. And as Daryl says, go to ukpackers.co.uk. Follow you on Twitter as well, at ITHedgehog, because I'm sure you're going to get bombarded with questions. Um, so 
I mean, look, Pete, we were trying to find a blueprint, weren't we, for Gudekunst for a long time. And we see, yeah. you know, from what you were saying, you seem to hit on that he likes Razgore, he likes freakish athletes. Um, he'll sort of pick that above all else. You have a lovely sort of factoid in the draft guide about, you know, whittling that down to see how predictable he is. Do you think that you have him nailed down and his strategy nailed down? And did that sort of guide uh, the players because you mark the players on your guide in green that are sort of of particular notice and a potential packer let's say or a good fit at least um, you know do you feel that you have him down pat now as to kind of what he looks for I, I think I think to a certain degree and I think there's some tradition with that before him so the guys that he grew up working for you know Ron Wolf and, and, and Ted Thompson certainly around certain positions um, but, but I do get the feeling that Guti's he is his own man and, and that he, he won't be afraid to do something completely, something that probably most of the people doing mock drafts and talking about the Packers draft right now, he wouldn't be afraid to do something that none of those guys are talking about. Yeah. Um, so I, th- I think it's, I think it's, I think to a degree, you know, you can go, you can look at the types of players that, that the Packers typically go for, and you look you can look at the gaps, but you could also then turn that around the other way, and say, is it time to try and get a player that's slightly different? Yeah. Which is why, as you mentioned, some of those players on our watch list are guys that perhaps are slightly different than we would normally see the Packers go for. Which is one uh, fascinating piece of your guide as well, Pete, to see those players picked out. And myself and Daryl will be picking your brain about those players, the potential mm. for them to be Packers. Um, because as you say, they're they're not the atypical, you know, we could go into the wide receivers and all that. But let's just slow our horses for a second. And let's talk about the actual mechanics of the, the draft guide. Because I don't know about anybody else out there, but I'm fascinated. Like anybody who writes, you know, I've read novels that are 319 pages. So, you know, you put this uh, draft guide together like the very barest minimum input for me. I do one tiny article in it, which is the looking ahead to free agency stuff, which, you know, informs me about, you know, what the needs are maybe in this draft, you know, because last year we looked at Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams' contracts coming yeah. up and it looked obvious they were going to try and make a move. And that sort of ended up with yourself and Andy saying there was a bit of a reach there for AJ Dillon, a fantastic player, but at that value and where they picked him, you know, was slightly questionable, still, still a great player. So, Let's look at your draft guide then, your your process of doing it. You have all the players in there. They're all ranked by, you know, the first wide receiver the whole way down. Some of that stuff seems intuitive enough because he's a Heisman winner, let's say. But how in the world do you, first off, put this whole thing together and when does it start? And second off, how do you organize the players into your top 300 then? Yeah, so 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 the, the whole thing starts about 18 months in advance. Bonkers. So, so... So since we put, you know, you published this this version, Steve, on Monday, was it we published this? Yeah. I can't, rem- I can't remember now. So the last couple of days, I've already been starting writing the, the skeleton for next year's. How does that make and you feel, Pete? I mean, is that t- not... Tired. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, <laughs> do, do, do you get a bit like, oh, Jesus, here we go again? Well, so part of, part of this, the last couple of days, is I've got I've got lots and lots of notes already. Yeah. For, for for next year. So 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 the last couple of days has been, you know, just kind of quantifying those notes, getting them typed up, etc. And then once the draft's been and gone, so once we get to May, if you like, that's the time I take a break from it altogether. Yeah. From the college stuff and and whatever else. But yeah, it generally works about eighteen months in advance. And and if it didn't, 
there's no way that we'd be able to produce, mm. as you said, you know, a 300 plus uh, page, page document. There just wouldn't be physically the time unless there were about 10, 10 of us working on it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we've got, already got a, you know, a reasonably good feeling about about next year, about next year's draft already. Which is good news, Daryl, right? Because it means there is a draft guide next year already. So if you know, we, yes, get, we no. get Peter on the hook now. I mean, you know, it's, it's not it's not work wasted. And I suppose then, just to ask another question on that, then Peter. So looking at the overall strategy and and trying to pick your top three hundred, and you look at your drafting philosophy, and you've sort of pinned down goodies. You know, high character. They need to have confidence. They need to be personal. You know, personally responsible for what their job. The Green Bay community and and taking part in Green Bay is obviously. I suppose I, I sort of highlighted this one as something that sets Green Bay apart from other franchises in the sense of that it's rooted in Green Bay, it's rooted in the fans, it's rooted in the people there. So I found that very interesting. And I think that's a bit of an outlier in, you know, other people picking their top 300 are probably not that interested in any of that sort of side of things. And then obviously the athleticism or the, you know, the relative athletic score or the RAS. And do you factor all of that in? to or as, as much as you obviously as much as you can because these are kids at the end of the day and you've only got so much information but is that how you ultimately rank these guys yes yes it yes it is and and, and actually what's not published in 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 the guide so so i've got i've got a spreadsheet which it which in essence to simplify a bit scores all of the players in all in a number in a number of factors and then comes up with a grade for them and that changes that changes over over time which is why, you know, the hundred you might put out in September is clearly not the same hundred that you have in mm. February. Um, so behind all of that is, is in essence what tots up to be a grade for each player, and that's how the, that and that's how the three hundred um, end end up being ranked. But there are cer- there are certain things. So so character, for example, is 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 an important one, but you can't with certainty say. The specific you just mentioned, the specific Green Bay thing, how somebody will fit in in the community mm. of Green Bay. That's not something that I'm going to score. Of course, yeah. Because because you're right. I think that is, I won't say it's unique to Green Bay, but it's but it's something that's more important in some places than it is in others. So what we're trying to do when we when we when we rank the players is to put some of the specifics to team specifics to one side and say if if you just had a blank sheet of paper and you were a blank team. What would be the order of players that you mm. ought to be looking at? Yeah, and Peter, if I can jump in, right? So all of this is very sort of subjective. Um, you know, people yeah, look is. at the players and all that. So again, yeah. and we have these like I, I don't believe it for an instance, right? Mel Kuyper and all of these experts because an awful lot what they come out with is an awful lot of tosh, right? Because what what's unique about our sort of draft process led by you is is that you will grade the players and then we will discuss in a very Packer-centric way as who fits where and like how likely are they going to fall and it seems very, very logical to my logical brain um, so that kind of makes sense but I saw, for instance, today um, where DJ and, you know, Bucky Brooks and all these all these guys who are, this is their job, this is their bread and butter yeah. stuff. So Peter, what I'd like to ask you is, right, you said that you have your grading system that the 100 back in February will be different in April will be different and whatever as it sort of progresses through the year, whatever months, right? So, you know, I see these experts 
and they'll have the top five wide receivers. Then all of a sudden, a new guy will pop in and he will be like, oh yeah, he's number five now. And they'll say why? And he'll be like, oh, well, you know, because... And and now I know people do get hot and cold and there's pro days and that raises yeah. stock. And then there's like that thing that came out about Matt Jones with epilepsy and you're kind of thinking, oh Jesus, that might drop him down now, even though they all still knew about it. And then all of a sudden, there's sort of a fever pitch around players as it comes in. But largely what we find is, right, that's just a media tropey thing where they think they know what the GMs are talking about, which is... Cardinal sin against GMs to to let people know how quickly can someone go up and down on your board if it isn't related to an injury. I get it if he tears his ACL, well then you know he might be a great player, but it's obviously going to drop his draft stock. Is it a complete load of balls of wax if a player can sort of pop in and back out of a ranking? Does that happen as quickly with you? I don't think as quickly, and I think that's why I tend to stay away from mock drafts. So you see a lot of those guys that you, you mm. know, you've mentioned, you know, Bucky Brooks and 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 those, and those guys are obviously, a, like you say, it's their full time job. Mm. Um, but but you know, some of those guys like Bucky will have will have the years of some of the teams and get quite a good indication that, you know, Fred Smith is going to be picked by this t- this team over here, and they hadn't previously got hadn't even previously got him as going in the first round. And all, and all and all of a sudden, so Fred Smith pops in at number seven because they've had a conversation with the GM that they used to play with potentially. Yeah. As, you know, and then all of a sudden that means from that pick downwards, everything starts changing. Mm. And that and that generally is the problem with mock drafts, isn't it? Is that is if one pick changes, then all the ones below it typically change. Yeah. Um, but you know, there's there's no doubt that players can. I think they tend to play for me to players tend to move in one direction or the other. And I think the thing that's quite difficult to, to avoid. And certainly when, um, when you don't have a, a, a team of people doing it, what's quite difficult to avoid is, is recency. You know, the, the last player that I looked at, Oh, he looks really good. Doesn't he? You know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And that's, and that's why I think you have to, another one of the reasons why you have to try and start early and try and almost build a foundation for each player early. And then and then you just start to deal with some specifics about that player. And, you know, there's always going to be things, as you describe, injuries and things that crop up or, or injuries that have never been reported that you're just finding out about. Mm. Um, but I, I think the thing is building that, build the foundation early so that you're then only dealing with a, a small percentage of change for each player as, as far as is possible. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a, and again, I know people love mock drafts. I wouldn't be a fan of them, but I, I think what sort of took the biscuit today, it was two things really. One was that I heard the ESPN guys talking about they've done their latest mock draft, but they haven't taken into account what needs the teams have. They've just gone by the rankings Brilliant. of the players. And I'm like going, Brilliant. as fantastic, but that's the thing, as yeah. fantastical Absolutely. as they are anyway. So why would you just go, you know, but in that sort of regard, you go, oh, well, a quarterback to Green Bay. And you're kind of thinking, again, makes no sense, but it was really funny. Uh, Ken O'Mac, um, you know, just an absolute gentleman from old County Offaly. Um, he, or is it Westmead? God damn it. Mullingar. Um, but he's, he's Mullingar. Mullingar. Uh, he's going to kick my booty. Um, but he was saying, he sent me on this mock draft that he got an A plus for the Packers, right? He forced trades to draft Trevor Lawrence, <laughs> Mac Jones, and then just a bunch of 
like uh, they were actually fairly good players um, according to your your guide anyway and they gave him an A plus for that and he was kind of like that kind of shows that the, the grading is off but look I, you know I, I don't want to be like a broken record and dump on mock drafts I get that people have fun with them um, and as well as that if anything it's sort of an educational tool that you can go on and sort of find out who these actual players are that are sort of ranking high um, but again Daryl what I would say is the, the key resource for anybody would be Peter's draft guide that's on the website now ukparkers.co.uk and it has its own tab um, because it is a bit of a masterpiece. So, boys, is there anything else that you just want to raise then, I guess, before we start delving into Packers' needs and then sort of taking a bit of a look on the offense and to give people a flavor of what we're doing here, introductions of the draft guide, bit of offense, and then early next week, hopefully, uh, get on and do the defensive side and then hopefully jump on just before the draft kicks off and just to talk final thoughts, see if anybody's went up or down or how we're all feeling about it. Um, so, Daryl, anything else to say before we delve on in? No, I just can't wait to see how many times I'm going to hear the phrase best player available. I'm I'm mm. going to take bets on it probably about 2,000 times. It, the, the phrase annoys the life out of me. I just, I can't stand it. I'm so sick of hearing it. How many teams manage it? And they go, oh, you always see this thing of, well, we got the best player available. Let's look back at his career and see if he turned out that way. And you're going, it's subjective. It means best player available with the information you have today, not yeah. seven years time. Anyway, uh, yeah, and that's, that's the my thing. gripe. And that's the okay. thing about Peter's guide. You do say in a Peter, don't you, that like you can have two players that are both the best at their position and it depends yeah. on what your need is as to who you actually Absolutely. go for. Um, Peter, anything else that you want to sort of get across before we start delving into Packers' needs? No, well, it's a couple, there's just a couple of quick things. One is I don't grade a player that I haven't seen. So that's, so, so that's an important rule for, rule for me. So I'm, so I'm going to go through a lot of work to make sure that I can see a player. Yeah. So there was one guy in last year's in last year's draft, the guy from Canada, uh, the defensive back Decois, that we didn't see, and we made a specific point of saying that I hadn't actually seen him play, uh, and so so he 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 ended up on a on a subsidiary list yeah. last year. Um, so all the players in this in this um, in our in our guide this year are players that I've had chance to to see not just in games but also we've seen tape of senior bowls etc 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 so i think that's that's an important point to make so we're not looking at using anybody else's reports etc to to put this to put this together um yeah and i think i think we'll stop there and we'll move on Great. So I guess, Daryl, let's have a quick gander at because we cannot really talk about the offense and start delving into um, annoying Peter with a billion questions about, you know, what talent he sees and how they fit. If we don't have somewhere in our head exactly what the Packers needs are overall. Now, I would say yeah. they've kind of put their colors to the mast, haven't they, to say that it's uh, offensive line, maybe. And I've got some queries yeah. there. Uh, defense as well. Um, but if we are talking about offense, what is your areas of sort of priority from from top well, to bottom, if you will? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm feel free to disagree with me, but I think I would line them up now. I'm I'm taking um, the sort of chapters that Peter has, so we're starting, mm. and I think we, we can work through them in the order they're written. I think, but the order I would put them in in terms of need would be number one, interior offensive linemen, a couple of those probably, two offensive tackles, probably one or two of those as well. Then I've got running backs, could take one. I've got for the next three categories: wide receivers, tight ends, and quarterbacks. I don't think we need them. 
but that's going to be up for discussion here. Massive but controversy. I, I think the top two are big ones, don't you I, think? I think the fan base will explode with the wide receiver <laughs> angle. I, do, I think this is, I don't think they're going to take, if they don't take someone at wide receiver or trade up to get a wide receiver, even if it's the 29th ranked guy, I think people are going to lose their damn mind. Yeah. Peter, um, what about for you? I mean, when you look at this, I guess, Peter, maybe what you could do is, is do you want to just, from your perspective, because we can't say, oh, they're going to take a wide receiver in round one just for the sake of, of the podcast, I guess. Do you think they, like, what? where do you rank the team's overall needs, let's say, be it inside linebacker, defensive line, and then sort of go to the offensive side? Do you think that we do go offense round one, or do you feel that with the way the Packers brought back Aaron Jones and all that kind of stuff, um, that the need isn't there? Where do you see the biggest needs on the team? So, so I think I think, that, I think the biggest needs are probably three threefold. If there was a, a, a tier, there'd be three in that top tier for me. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm just going to lump the offensive. I'm going to cheat a little bit and lump the offensive line together. Yeah. Um, deliberately, because we'll, we'll talk about that, that in a little while. The second one is is, is corner. Um, one because we know the situation with Kevin King's brought back for a, for a year, but two, you can never have enough of those guys anyway. And uh, um, and three, the other one for me would be defensive line. Yeah. Um, now, the difficulty with this draft, without, without preempting where the discussion's going, the difficulty with this draft is there aren't so many of those good guys at defensive line around. Yeah. So, so it's quite possible that by the time you pick at, at 29, that there isn't a guy worth the value at, at that. And that happens quite a lot, actually, with the defensive line position. It's quite a, quite a difficult one. Um, yeah. You get lots of edge guys, but not so many interior Kenny Clark-like or 3-4 or defensive ends. Who were, who were that great coming out of college. Yeah, and we saw the tweet from Zadarius Smith telling people to stop saying he's an edge player. Kenny <laughs> he got really pissed <laughs> yeah. off. And he accompanied it, I think, with a picture of him looking like he was hunting on the Serengeti. I mean, the guy looked like a predator, you know? Yeah, look, there's the, the thing is, like, when you look at the Packers team, we can certainly pick holes all over the roster. Like we've sort of alluded to before, you know, we've the top receiver, arguably, in the game, the top running back, again, arguably, in the game. Jair Alexander sits atop. Uh, there too but obviously you need some help Kevin King coming back for his redemption season but again it's sort of isn't it seen that like he's there as kind of a stopgap he mm. tested the waters ended back in Green Bay and then we're going to move on here's one question that I have off the top uh, Pete and again this is going to be a controversial one right but it, kind of along the lines of wide receiver and I know you know people might sort of mistake me for being sort of a fanboy to say I like the wide receivers MVS is very reliable. He ain't. Um, but what I did say before was, and I sort of stuck to that um, thing was, is I believe that the Packers thought they were set there and I thought that they had enough to get by. Uh, we were a whisper away from the Super Bowl. So I guess it proved true to a degree. Now, again, there's nuances there. Um, my concern with the O-line would be is the way the Packers went O-line heavy last year. Now, again, late round picks, but it seems like they have a lot of bodies there and a lot of bodies that mm. for some reason that they seem to like um, and there's an awful lot of fanfare uh, about. So is it a danger in this draft that he pulls another Gudekunst here where the fan base expects to go O-line early and everything else, and then he basically doesn't touch the position in the draft at all? Is that a possibility to you, Pete? Now, I know I asked this about wide receiver last year, and I think we were all sort of saying, like, yes, we've got some potential there, uh, but we do need help. And that didn't really come in. And then, you know, Funches, of course, takes the the season off because of a family member. Um, I think it was a death maybe um, with COVID. O-line Pete, is that tacked on? Um, I would be very, I would be very surprised if they didn't, if they didn't address that position. Um, and for me, I would be very surprised if they didn't address it early. Yeah. 
Um, I think, you know, having lost, you know, your all-pro centre, Corey Lindsley, to free agency, having lost David Bakhtiari, albeit, you know, we have to suspect that that's for the majority of the forthcoming season, if not for all of the season. Yeah. You know, the, the roughly 12-month recovery, maybe quicker than that. But um, that's two big holes that you've taken out of, out of the offensive line. And whilst they can certainly patch those and be and and that's probably too strong a word you know there's certainly got players like Elton Jenkins that can move around Billy Turner can move from you know right tackle to left tackle and do a job um that's not the same as having full-time you know <laughs> solid solid's not the right word full-time starters at those positions who are who are all pros or gonna be all pros could you get that in the draft OP will be my question. So when I look at the, now again, I'm, I'm not saying this is correct at all. But what I'm saying is, is that when I look at the amount of lads that they have stacked on the roster and, you know, some lads have been there a while, I just wonder and I have this sneaky suspicion that they might go, we're not going to be able to plug the hole. Now, maybe I'm wrong, that we're not going to be able to plug the role straight away uh, with a rookie. So we're going to have to put an experienced guy in there with a rookie coming in and playing a big part role. Do you feel that there is prospects in this draft that could be plug and play? Yes, I think it's different for different positions. Right? So I think it's, I think corner and offensive tackle are two of the most difficult positions for a rookie to come in and, and start straight away. And, and before people start jumping up and down, Jair, Alex, Jair Alexander is the exception to that rule. Yeah. You know, he came in and started as a rookie in 2018, was, was exceptional. But very few of those guys at corner do it. Very few of those guys at, at tackle do it. You're more likely to get one at tackle that can come in and start immediately at right tackle. Mm. Um, so perhaps a Tevin Jenkins, um, you know, who we pinpointed in, in, the, in the guide. But it's still a very difficult, very difficult job. What I do believe, and this is a little bit, a little bit off the wall, is I do believe that there's a couple of centers in this draft who are ready to come in and start on day one. Yeah. And I, and I know that would be certainly quite unusual for the Packers to pick at that position that high. You know, we've had a rec record of picking like the Corey Lindsley's way down the draft and those guys coming through to start. My my thinking is that, you know, the Packers were very close, as you described, Steve, very close to being getting to the Super Bowl last year. Mm. So so is, th is this a draft about drafting purely for the future? Or if they see a guy that can come in and contribute as a starter on day one, a position of need, which centre is, is that a route to go down? And, f and for me, it is. Yeah. So you think there's definite value in the draft at the centre position? And is this a player, P? Because I see in your guide, there's an awful lot of players who, you know, they say they're centres, but then they feel that they're in the pro game, they're more fitted to elsewhere. So is there a pure centre that would be value at that pick 29? So, so there's a couple of there's, so there's a couple of guys for me, um, Creed Humphrey and Landon and Landon Dickerson. And, and and those guys are, you know, if you were if you were listing them, you know, those guys are somewhere in the forty to fifty range in terms of, um, you know, a one to three hundred. They're somewhere in the forty to fifty range. So, so in a in an ideal world, you'd say trade down about ten spots and pick one of those guys. Then yeah. But my feeling is that is that it's quite likely that both of them will have gone by pick fifty. So for example. Um, History, history tells us over the last few the last few drafts that at least one centre goes in the first round. Yeah, 
So, so six have gone in the in the first round in the last five drafts. So, one point two per draft. So you can bet that one of those guys, at least one of them, is going in the first round. Mm. Um, and I and I think, yes, you'd say that's perhaps not ideal value, but but I think as you're getting a guy that can start to die, I th- I think I think it's I think it's a good move. And and just to pick on those two players. How they're slightly different. So Landon Dickerson is probably the bigger name of the two. Played at played at played at Alabama, um, multi-year starter, um, and without the injuries that he's had, and he's had a number, at least two ACLs, a number of other injuries, had an ACL injury right towards the end of the 2020 season. Um, Landon Dickerson would probably be the the, the out and out number one centre. Yeah. However. I like Humphrey more, one, because of the, the injury situation, but two, because he's played in an offense that's more suited to the Packers' offense. So, so, so for me, he's a better lateral mover, a better mover in, you know, in running outside zones than, than Landon Dickerson, who's a really strong, straight-ahead drive-blocking guy. Yeah. And, and so it's a little bit of horses for courses there. But I, but I, but I wouldn't grumble about either of those two being, being you know the Packers' first pick. I think from a fan perspective, I don't think it would necessarily go down too well. Yeah. Because I think because I think typically we you know, typically we're looking for an exciting a, a wide receiver or, or, or whatever. But I, but but for me, I think that would be a very solid pick. So, Daryl, where is your mind at? I mean, when you because again, it's always the same, isn't it? When you come across an interview with a football player who's a defender. It's always like, oh, well, you know, how come you gave up being a striker then? Why did you want to become a defender? And it's the same yeah. with O-line and D-line. You know, some of these lads surprisingly start off at skill positions then end up in the trenches. Um, in your mind, Daryl, and when you look back at how the Packers performed last year and when you look at the offensive linemen that we have, um, you know, leaving sort of, because, you know, Pete's guide is just incredible. I mean, there's so many dudes there. In your heart of hearts, though, do you side with the the Twitter want of you know going like Pete says for that sexy skill player like a wide receiver or would you be happy to plug in that offensive lineman there, um and you know snatch and run? I'd like my cake and eat it in this one, and I and the reason for that is, and I, you know Peter's touched on it already. But you talk about sort of the depth of the roster is what I'm concerned about this year coming up because we've got back Tiari. You've got you know you've got Billy Turner, but the problem is when these guys start getting injured, and I think and I take Pete's point about this as well. You know you don't tend to find ready-made offensive tackles to come in these rookies that come in and can step in from day one. That's really unusual. Yeah. It is very easy though to plug in a wide receiver. These guys are ready-made, and the depth of the field um, is going to be way deeper, um, for want of a better term, than what you're going to find in offensive tackle. So I still think I would love to see an offensive. I'd be happy to see an offensive tackle. You know, it's, it's, definitely one coming in uh the problem would be are they are they out of the box ready to go um but you know whereas if you look at them and i do think the wide receiver uh, and I, I said at the beginning i don't think we're going to take on a wide receiver because we don't need one i think i should have said because i think the packers think yeah. they don't need one and mm. and i think to tighten that up a small bit if you look at Devonte, we have him but who's his number two and this is something we've spoken about all last season you've got Alan Lazard there's going to have to do a bit more work you've got MVS but let's face it he blows hot and cold but we have an awful lot more players there in that position you've got ESB you've got Taylor Reggie Begleton Funches is there but do we have a number two and I think and Peter it's it's there in the guide and I think you've you've 
you've nailed that already i mean do we have a clear number two and i don't think we have um and i was gonna say like go go gadget wide receiver there's loads out there Mm. you could find the sexy guy the guy to plug a gap that the fans clearly think is there and to be fair when you look at it on paper I do think we have scope to take on a guy, but I think we have an awful lot of guys in that position and I yeah. think we need them all. Well, here's the question then, Pete, right? So we look at the, like what Daryl's saying there, you know, you want that sort of sexy, gadgety wide receiver and there seems to be a ton of them in this draft and surprisingly, they're small. I mean, I always looked at my size and my weight and thought like, oh, I had this idea and I actually pitched it to Neil Reynolds before and it was an idea I'm never going to do now. It was called from, uh, what was it called? From Wicklow to Canton or something. It was some... Uh, sort of cockamamie thing of right what it is is some personal trainer comes in and trains me to be you know like a little diminutive holiday style punt returner or whatever uh, return man or you know a gadget guy out of the backfield and just to show me what the actual schedule of an NFL player is and train me up that was never going to work and then see if because I, I think someone from Ireland did do it they got a, a GAA player I think and they put him in the draft and he had no rashes what he was doing so it'd be funny to like try get a guy my size bulk me up a bit and just see how far I could go in trials or you know obviously not the draft but in some sort of draft like competition and see what I had but weirdly, like, does I've seen guys peed in this draft at wide receiver and they're 160 pounds. Yeah. And there's always these question marks over durability and that's sort of a big snooze point because I do think there's there's more to a person than measurables. There's enough examples we could draw on to tell us that. Can you talk to us a bit about the wide receivers here? And in the context of, do you think that we're, we're more leaning towards offensive line, a centre? Um, Creed Humphrey is your sort of golden boy, right, coming into this as, as a 29th pick. Is would there be value uh, at wide receiver after that point? And the the million dollar question, Pete, is that Gudikus likes these tall guys, these blocking receivers. Do we go small gadget guy? Is there value at that? But can you see the Packers going for it? <laughs> I I would love to see the Packers go go for a a smaller gadget guy, jack in the box. A guy that can make, you know, make the first tackle a miss, and before you know it, it's gone for eighty yards. Yeah. Um, it's not, and this is a difficult one, as, as you as you quite rightly described. It's that's not in kind of the modus operandi as we know it so far. Mm. But 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 the other way of looking at it is is you'd say I've got three of those guys, at least three of those guys, as Daryl's described, already on the roster. Yeah. Um, if I if I picking up a you know a fourth guy who's six foot four 210 pounds unless he's really exceptional i'm just adding another guy into a mm. mix of three that i've already got um so so for me i i would absolutely love to see them go for a guy like rondale moore out of purdue now i know he's been 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 injured i know he's not very big um but that kind of guy you know Kadarius tony but but he's probably going in the in the in the first round and then you're, you're taking him over a, diff- a different position, but but one of those guys, two to Atwell a little bit further down, and my kind of really underrated guy from North Texas, J- Jalen Darden. Now, all of those are kind of similar-ish type players. They're all well under six feet, and I mean well under six feet. Yeah. Um, well, two to Atwell, for example, is five foot nine and one hundred and sixty-five pounds. Right. Bonkers, yeah. He's tiny, and looking at his tape as well. After Pete did up the thing, I was looking at him. I was thinking he is electric. But my yeah. God, he's small. And 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 that and that's the thing. And you and you have to realise that when you're taking one of those guys, you're taking them to do a specific role and a specific job. Yeah. You know, you, you're not going to take a five foot nine guy 
and then try and ask him to block like Alan Lazard. Or yeah, like Jamie then, Graham, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you could block like Jamie Graham. But that, that's the thing, though, Pete. I mean, nail on the head stuff there. I mean, you know, if you... It's it's colours on the mast. If you get a guy in as this small, you are, you're getting him in to be, and I don't use his name lightly, Tyreek Hill style, a speedster, yeah. a fast guy, a guy in the middle of the field. But isn't it a bit of a sort of an oxymoron or contradiction that you get a small guy to play slot, and these guys, as you say, are small and they're very light. Um, and you're putting them in the middle of the field, which we all know is the most dangerous part of the field. You just do worry about the uh, durability, don't you, of these guys? You, you, you do. And that's why I, I think you have to, you know, and Tyreek Hill's a great example. I think you have to move them around a lot. Yeah. So, so almost they become your slot guy. They become your, your Tyler Irving plus. Yeah, yeah pre-snap like. so, motion you know, sort of. Yeah, yeah so when we trickery. picked up Ty, Tyler Irving that we, you know, he kind of, almost became the player that we thought he was going to be. He was almost that, you know, there was flashes of it. And what you're hoping in one of these guys is that, is that you get the, the, the real thing, if you like. And, and, a, and a guy that's going to, you know, he's going to catch 50 balls a year, but they're at 22 yards a catch. That, yeah. that, kind, of, that kind of guy. Um, you know, and you're going to use them out the backfield. You're going to line them up in the slot. You're going to use them on jet sweeps. You're going to use them all over, all over the field. Well, I mean, we see the effectiveness of Aaron Jones, a diminutive guy, running out of the backfield. It all gets very inventive. Daryl, here's a question for you, right? Gudekun seems to go crazy for Raz score, crazy for height and all of that kind of stuff. We saw him bring in free agents even that were, you know, big dudes and yeah. he brings them in and, you know, of course they don't stick, but that led to all of that virtual stuff. Um, do you think that um, that thing in Green Bay has... What I, it's a bit too early for this and it's very dramatic but I'll stick it to you anyway um, do you think that that sort of policy has effectively failed in Green Bay is that he stuck to his guns with these big guys but not one of them could stand up do you think it is time to have sort of a, a change and bring in a smaller guy and try work him because yeah. we know the scheme fits well for a guy who's shifty right yeah well I mean you've, you've hit the nail on the head and I was going to mention it just before you even raised it was Aaron Jones now it's slightly it's a different position obviously we're talking running backs here but he is exactly, and that's the thing. He's he's unpredictable, and he's doing things a guy of his size shouldn't be able to get away with, because of his speed and his unpredictability. And he's not doing he's not the utility running back that can do all sorts of different things. He has one job, and he does that job. I was going to say he's unpredictable, so he you don't know what he's doing. But that's his job. His job is to basically miss first tackle at all times. He's you know first tackle doesn't mm-hmm. stick to him. He manages to get through. He worms his way through tackles, um, in you know ways he shouldn't. And I think maybe it's time for these gadget guys to do the same thing because I think they would serve the same purpose. You know, if if you nail them in the tackle, you're going to nail him and you're going to break him. But mm. you might not get them because these guys are fast, and that's the thing about these little fellas. You know, they can they can go very very fast. The thing is, maybe buy two in case you break one. <laughs> <laughs> buy one, get one free. So speaking yeah. of that, right, and speaking of value, Pete, you know, it, what what do you think the likelihood is is that we do reach for a wide receiver in round one? And if we did, who would the, would you say that would be Kadarius Tony? And if it's not round one. You know, is there that value to go for that guy in two, or do you literally wait till the draft board tumbles down a little bit? Because you know, after a certain, because we see this with all positions, don't we? After a certain few, the drop off is is incredible. Um, so where's your head at then with wide receiver and the Packers in this upcoming draft? Are they going to disappoint the majority of the fan base who are screaming for it? So, so, so where my my where my head is 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 that there are so many excellent wide receivers in 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 this draft and i think once you get past you know the very top three in this draft um waddle chase 
and Devontae Smith. Once you get past those, then you've got a huge group that, you know, I've put them in a certain order, but you could probably talk to 100 different people and they'd have the next nine, same next nine receivers, but probably in a slightly different order. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think you've got that group where you can definitely get a guy in, in, in round two. So despite the fact that, you know, Rondale Moore, for example, I think he was 40th on my on my board. Yeah. Now, that's 40th with a blank sheet of paper, not taking into account that teams may reach for guys that are below him, you know, on, on, on our board. So the chances of him going at 40 are probably quite slim. And I think and I think he's likely to start dropping down that second round. He could be there when the Packers pick at 62 in round in round in round two quite quite easily. Yeah. So 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 for me, I would be looking at I need to get ideally for me an offensive lineman in in round or a corner in 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 round one, and then I'd be looking at is there a wide receiver there in round in round two for me? Yeah. And again and again and it's just a personal preference, I would absolutely be looking at a Rondale Moore that type of player to give to give you something to give you something different. Well, you said I, I believe I know again maybe I'm reading this wrong. Is this the guy you compared to Howard in your guide, um, or is that someone else? Because I did see uh, Desmond Howard on talking about how this is the guy who reminds him most of himself. Well, I think we talked. Uh, yeah, I think we talked about about Desmond Howard with Devonte Smith, mm. who won the he- who won the Heisman Trophy. Yeah, and, and and interestingly enough, just while we're touching on on Devonte Smith, he has weighed in this week at closer to 160 pounds than than 170. And Not. this is the guy that's ranked as the third wide receiver in this in, in this draft. And and he may he may slip a little bit down the first round because of it. But I think you just have to be a little bit careful with, you know, the the, the physical attributes are important. Um but but really it comes down to can a guy play? Mm. You know, there there, there is a there's a bit eventually where you have to say, no matter what he looks like, no matter what the measurements are on paper. If the guy can play, the guy can play. Yeah. And and you know, as you said earlier, Daryl, you we never know how these guys are gonna are gonna work oh. out. And you ha- and, and you have to take who you think's the right guy at the time based on what you know at the time. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, look at Tony Mandarich. We just did him last week. Yeah. So I mean that's their prime example. And it's also in, in the guide as well, uh, for anyone who wants to have a read of that. Yeah, uh we we hit him with a two for on that one. Um so yeah, I mean, when we're looking at wide receiver, Pete, what round do you think it has to hit ballpark where we shouldn't expect them to start drafting wide receivers. Like when does that value absolutely drop off a cliff and we'd be better off staying with where we are? I don't think, I don't think it does drop off a cliff really? in this, in this draft at all. Um, so, so, you know, I think that there are more um, solid wide receivers in this draft than there were in last year's. Was that known, Peter? That's one thing I want to ask you, right? Did the Packers and everybody else were, again, these lads do it for a living. They have pro scouts. They're almost as knowledgeable as you, Pete, is what I'd say. And that's saying something. But I mean, is it, is it, was that known? Was that a factor, do you think, in why the Packers didn't go near wide receiver last year? Because, the, you know, the players that were up top, and we've seen some fantastic players come out, you know, Justin Jefferson, although. Uh, we didn't have a chance to get him because we wouldn't have even had the trade capital to go up. And if we did, we'd have to really stick our uh, flag to the mast. But, you know, was that a known thing? Do you think that's a factor? Because if there's no drop off, that's pretty yeah. incredible. I, I think I think it I think it became a factor last year once they got into the middle rounds and beyond. Yeah. 
because it got um, kind of got away from them, right? So you don't feel that that will happen in this draft in the sense that it'll get away from them and then they're like, well, we can't do it again. We just have to ignore wide receiver. Yeah, I, 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 I don't think so. I, I, th- I think that once they got to the middle rounds last year, as you said, we talked about before, the, the, the draft got away from them a little bit. I, I also think that, that this year's crop of wide receivers then became a factor because why am I going to take one in round six, for example, last year, hmm. who's probably just by definition not better than than the group that I've already got on the roster. If he, if he was, he'd be going in round two, you know. Yeah. Um, um, when I know that coming out in 2021 is equally as strong a wide receiver group, if not stronger and deeper, and I, and 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 I think and I think it is. And there's a name we probably should mention. He's not on my on on our on our watch list, but a guy who who's closer to the Packers mold, Rashad Bateman of Minnesota. Hmm. somewhere around he's going to go somewhere around the end of round one um you know he's he's six two two oh nine so kind of closer to the packers mold hmm. and there's not a lot not to like if that's not too many negatives in there <laughs> there's, there's lots to like about him you know it, it, it's good hands he runs good routes he um can line up in the slot and on and on on the outside um the only reason really he's not on my watch list is because I'm really focusing for the Packers on getting one of those gadget guys. Yeah. But if but if they got to 29 and Bateman was there and they took him, that's, that's not a pick that you could grumble about at all. That's your number two receiver, theoretically your number two receiver problem fixed. Yeah, which is incredible as well. Like you said, Daryl, I mean, the receivers tend to be more NFL ready when they come out. Yeah. So going for a wide receiver again, you know. And, and I think, yeah, and I think that's a really important point. You only have to look at last year's groups, group that you mentioned, Steve, and, and, and Jefferson was, was fantastic. Yeah. But if you look at the guys that went before him, they had decent years. The Jerry Judys that we talked about and Henry mm. Ruggs and those guys, they had decent years, but they weren't Inconsistent. outstanding. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. They weren't outstanding years. And if people go back and look at um, the article you did last year, Steve, about the wide receivers, yeah. last draft absolutely proved that to be the case, that you can get guys in the second or third round that turn out equally as strong as anybody that goes in the first. Yeah, I mean, look at Chase Claypool as well. I mean, he yeah. was lit on fire as well. But again, kind of there was a drop off and then, of course, people get injured. Yeah, it's never a guarantee. Um, the Packers did something pretty weird last year, um, it has to be said. Uh, you know, it worked out for them, I guess, to a degree because of how far they got in the season. I think they proved an awful lot of doubters wrong. They surprised people. It seems like they have faith in themselves again. So I guess we don't need to spend a whole lot of time on this, not unless you, you think there is a bit of intrigue there, lads. But... I think, again, I dare I say it, but I think we can sort of look past the quarterback position. Um, I think we can look, even though Pete, you did raise it last year, that the Packers, it's not unusual for them to go for a quarterback somewhere um, in the draft, but they will bring guys in, as again, you say in your draft, just to sling the, the pigskin, yeah. just to add a bit of competition kind of anyway. Yeah, yeah, and I and I just I just threw a name out. You know, the Packers have got 10 picks in this draft, so mm. it wouldn't surprise mm. You know, if they took a seventh rounder and took a punt at a quarterback, and, and I picked on a guy, Felipe Franks, really for one reason: the guy's got a, a tremendous arm. You know, and that's what they really liked about Tim Boyle. So, yeah. so, 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 although Felipe Franks hasn't had the greatest of college college careers, um, he's just the one quarterback in that kind of group towards the end of the draft that could be a possibility. I did it. it you know, like we say, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they didn't pick See, one. 
CP, you've put that in a line and it's a nice, it reads perfectly, it's, it makes perfect sense when you read it and it seems really inert, but can you imagine what Packers journalists would do <laughs> if, we, if we got a quarterback? Can you imagine what would go on with, it'd be murder straight away. That's it. You know, Rodgers is gone. He's gone. They're getting rid of him. Jordan's being promoted. They hate him. They're, that's why they didn't restructure his contract because they were always going to do this. They're shafting him. I can't believe it. Mm. So I think they should do it just for that. Yeah, and just you know what, just just, just draft him round one, even though the value is totally not there. <laughs> just just go right down to QB ten and just get him in, and then be like, no, this is just what I do now. I just draft quarterbacks round one, so I'd stop taking it so yeah. personally. Um, so yeah, very interesting prospect. Uh, again, it'd be a head scratcher too, I guess, to a degree, because with Jordan Love there and he's the ordained number mm-hmm. two, it means that they'd be bringing in three guys uh, into into the year, and you know, is is that you know seeing us but again good size i mean six six and three eight um if you will and uh yeah he's he seems like a guy again rocket arm we all were used to those in in green bay all of those stories about brett favor uh who was banging balls up into uh who was your man what was your man's name the head of atlanta at the time jerry jerry Glanville. Jerry <laughs> come on mississippi and he gets to throw <laughs> yeah. the ball up into the stands <laughs> yeah. for money uh yeah so that went well so look quarterbacks mm, running backs uh, again, I don't think you can ever have too many. We've seen the kind of uh, a couple of the lads messed the bed uh, when they got their chance last year as well, and sort of be benched indefinitely. Do you think we're set with Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon? Daryl, I'm going to throw this to you. I mean, running back position, these boys get injured and get injured a yeah, lot. Yeah, that, right? that's exactly what I was going to say. Like my my concern here would be, um, you you can never have too. I actually don't think you can ever have too many mm. because of that very reason. We don't have an awful lot of depth because, as you say, a couple of them, you know, messed the bed last year when they did get their chance. And I actually think competition is extremely good for running back and a running back mentality specifically. Um, I actually think you have a few of them. You have a few of those guys in the kennel. Um, let them compete with each other. And if there are injuries, you do need serious guys to step in to be able to finish off moves. So I, I would, I would be very happy to see at least one drafted just to, again to add competition and also a bit of depth to that roster. And they always do, Pete, don't they? I mean, we always get sort of a late round uh, pick. We yeah. saw one like we we drafted Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones in the same one. Jamal Williams actually before Aaron Jones, and then because Jamal got injured and Ty Montgomery, who yes was a running back. Um, you know, Aaron Jones gets his chance. How you fix Peter? Green Bay have been very good lately. I don't know whether it's just the personnel that they got in and the fact that Jamal Williams is dancing and he's, he seemed like a great locker room guy, but they seem to really harbour this attitude of they're all in it together and they're not sort of, like what Daryl says with the competition, it doesn't seem to kind of rub their back up the wrong way Ronaldo style where they're raging when they see one of the other running backs go in and get the touchdown that they worked on the drive for. When it comes to running back in this draft, again, it's not an obvious need, Pete, but what's the value like for running backs in this draft? So, so it, it's what I would call a very recent, typical <laughs> draft for running backs, where, where you get one or two that are potential first rounders, but towards the end of the fir- towards the end of the first round, mm. and then you get you get possibly, you know, two more in the second round, and then it just kind of grows a little bit exponentially from there. Yeah. Um, so, so it's not great. It's not great at the top of the draft, and it, and, it, and it's interesting for me having re-signed Aaron Jones because I, I was, I wasn't. Um, it was a shock, like wasn't it? It was a shock to be fair. I mean, it, it yeah. seems like an obvious choice to some and not an obvious choice to the others, but God, it was different. Yeah. And, and, and I wasn't opposed to the Packers picking a running back in the first round. If Aaron Jones hadn't re-signed. Really? Do you think the value would have been there to place so, a guy so, in? So, yeah? so, so I think, I think, and, and, and it's the, it's, the same way of thinking I was thinking about with the center position mm. is are you 
picking a guy at a position where you're building for the future and nothing wrong with that at all. Nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with that. Or are you looking at your roster saying, I was five points from the Super Bowl. Mm. I want a guy yeah. that's going to come in and contribute day one. And, and, and if that was the case, you know, could a, a Travis Etienne, who may well be available there at 29, mm. could he have come in and done the job that kept that running game ticking over alongside AJ Dillon? Had that had that been needed? Fortunately, it isn't needed. So, um, but it would have been, you know, it's one of those one of those interesting things. I think f- for me, you know, the guy that I've always well, picked out for a long time is Jamar Jefferson of Oregon State. Yeah. Towards the middle-ish rounds, you know, fourth, fifth, that kind of area. Uh, and what I like about Jamar Jefferson is when you watch him, he looks like Aaron Jones. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, yeah, it, it, he does everything. Albeit at college level, but he does everything that Aaron Jones, Aaron Jones does, you know, and even down to the fact that he doesn't have ultimate breakaway speed, which Aaron Jones doesn't have either. Yeah. But it's good. But it's good enough. And you know, he runs. A, um, again, he's, an, he's another guy that plays in an offense that runs zone blocking offense, runs outside zones. It's a patient runner, uh, but but hits the hole quickly once he sees the hole. Just just. Almost everything that Aaron Jones has got, which is why I kind of zeroed in on on Jamar Jefferson a few a few months ago, and and for me, if he's there in those middle rounds, absolutely absolutely worth a pick, absolutely. Because I because th- I, I think you're right. Beyond Jones and Dylan, you know, you've got Patrick Taylor out of Memphis, who's a, who was a decent back in in college, mm. um, but obviously hasn't played for the Packers, and. I think you've got to get a third guy in there, a because you you want to be carrying at least three backs, if 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 not four, mm. and for the competition factor that Daryl described. Yeah, and speaking of competition, tight end to me just seems like you know that. Again, we probably thought this about quarterback last year, but tight end is just really does seem like. We're still sitting, waiting for the guys that we have there to, you know, like like that meme with the guy with the stick, like do something, you know, like when we look at Jay Sternberger and just that every year it's like, okay, well, this is the year that he has to do something. Uh, there's intrigue about Dominic Daphne as well. Uh, Bobby yeah. Tanyan like was flying high, Daryl, wasn't he last year? Yeah. And oh, yeah. People yeah. wrote him off. How do you feel about the tight end position? Like, do you think the same? I mean, are we set? Do you think it'd be worth adding another guy? I'd be surprised. Think? I'd be surprised if they bothered. Um, I just don't I just don't think there's any need. I mean, I, just looking at the lineup, you've got Tunyon and Lewis who are going to do the job. As, as you say, I think Sternberger is going to have to prove it. And what do you think? Uh, you know, what good feeling? Do you think this is... Yeah. It, it's the, yeah, it no, is I, the make or break, right? If he doesn't do it now. It the, really is. Like, no, but know, I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty happy with the depth of that. Mm. And I'd be, I just think it'd be a wasted pick to get another tight end when I, I would I, I, I would I would agree. You know, you, you look at the, the tight end group and you throw Josiah Deguara into that mix and you've got exactly, five. Yeah. 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 That's true, yeah. 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 Uh, and and he was and, very promising Pete, wasn't he, last year before yeah. the injury? I mean he looked like yeah. the real deal. And you know, barring and this is not beyond the realms of possibility, you know, barring a, a draft day trade, you know, it's not beyond the realms of possibility. beyond I guess Bobby Tonyan and probably Mercedes Lewis, you know, the others could be traded. On, on, on draft on draft day, if they suddenly decided, oh, I like the look of, of you know, that guy at the beginning of round four or wherever it may be, I need to move up from my spot to get him. It's yeah. not beyond the realms of possibility when you've got a group of five yeah. that one of them could be on the trade block. But I but I would be surprised. I mean, I, I, I'm totally with Daryl. I, I just don't see them looking at, at that position in this draft. 
And another question, Pete, then, just to, I guess to finish it, and it's not particularly related to the draft here, but when we look at Bobby Tanyan, you know, they didn't ink a, a long-term deal with him, even though he had a fantastic year. Um, if, say Bobby, and this is what we said about Kevin King as well. I mean, remember last year in the draft uh, guide where we're talking about Kevin King, and if he plays really well, then they have a decision to make. He's probably priced himself out of Green Bay. If he gets injured again, he's probably out of Green Bay anyway. That kind of did play out, although he didn't have the market for it. Let's have a look then at, at, at Bobby Tonjan. I mean, this is a guy put in sav- put up savage numbers, um, league leading numbers last year. Um, and again, so they sign him, you know, on that tender. He's going to have this year to again ply his trade. Is he playing his way out of Green Bay effectively if he plays at that level again? Because it seems like we've been very patient with Tunyon, haven't we? I mean, we've sort of waited and waited and waited and he was always a guy that kind of hung around and he was under the radar for every other team. He's really stamped his his name now, especially because he's made friends with the likes of, who is it, Travis Kelsey and... um. Uh, some of the other boys where they keep talking they're training with him aren't they and they keep talking about him saying oh this guy's this guy's the real deal Peter is this the last year regardless for Tanya do you think is it the same as Kevin King last year where he either plays himself out of a role or someone just snatches him up anyway I don't know there's three schools of thought here I I, I, I think that they may try and be working on a longer term deal with him but 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 they may they may need cap space to do that yeah Um. you know it, even though you know, the, the, there's lots that they could do to make the, the year one number as low as possible. I think that they don't have the space to, to do it. But my suspicion is that he's going to play next year on this on this one year tender, and the pack and the Packers do risk losing him after this year. And it, and it, and if you're Tonyan, you're probably sitting there thinking, barring the injury risk that every player has, you're probably sitting there thinking, actually, if I have another year like the year I've just had, Big and the salary cap, the yeah, the salary cap may go through the roof. And so mm-hmm. it may well be to his advantage, providing he can get through the year, um, you know, unscathed, to 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 sit and wait and, and play it out and see what happens. Because that's the thing. I know what I I know what I have to do. All I have to do is buy a Tonyan jersey because I did that with Jones <laughs> very late on, and they re-signed him surprisingly. <laughs> yeah. So I just need to buy a jersey next year, and we'll keep him. I don't know. According to the media reports, maybe buy a Rogers jersey because I think we might need that. <laughs> the way the media are talking, there's some mad stuff going on with him. Uh, even did you see that lads on um, the Pat McAfee show? Uh, Jordy Nelson was on, and he was like, "Oh, I don't understand the Packers what to do." I mean, what are they playing at with Aaron Rodgers? Like, if you're going to extend him, extend him. He's coming off an MVP season and all this type of stuff. And again, I was sort of ready to write that off because it's a buddy of his and all this type of stuff. But then when you think about it, and he start talking about the business side of the game, and he sat in on his last contract negotiation with, he says the contract guy in Green Bay, which you can only assume was Russ Ball, um, and sat in with him and seen how it all operated, and he seemed to have kind of a bad taste in his mouth. So I don't know. There seems to be a bit of an undercurrent there. Um, but I guess that's probably a conversation for another day. Look, the draft guide, incredible. Uh, 319 pages yeah. of, of solid gold. The illustrations alone are worth the price of, of free. Um, you know, if, if you do say so myself. But look, what's great about the guide, guys, if you haven't picked it up yet and downloaded it, as I say, uh, Peter's put all 18 months worth of work into it. It's, uh, you know, he is the Michelangelo and this is the Sistine Chapel. Same guy, is that Leonardo da Vinci? Anyway, um, so it's, uh, yeah, Michelangelo. Um, so yeah, it's, it's an incredible stuff. But what I like about it is, is that, look, you have tagged players in green, Great color, um, about who could potentially land on the Packers. It'd be good value, a good fit. But you've literally profiled every other player of note, um, in there. There's going to be undrafted free agents that people are going to pick up. That usually, you know, you get sort of a 
a very scant paragraph about like this is a guy he's male and he's now with the backers whereas you will have the profile here um, on him and they'll be able to read into him and all that kind of stuff so again it's invaluable the Packers are not going to pick who you expect them to pick we know that already um, as well as that you will stay up for the first pick and they will trade away and that just that's what happens that's part of being a Packers fan and uh, if you're not used to that by now uh, that's on you you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me 17 times, shame on moi. Um, so yeah, the draft guy, just great stuff. Daryl, Peter, anything else you just want to say before we wrap this offensive style one up? So, no. so, so I, uh, yeah, sorry, I, I have I have one. and It would be very remiss of me not to mention one name that I haven't mentioned so far. Go on. And it's because, it's because he's a very popular guy in, in Wisconsin, and that's Quinn Miners. Mm. So, so guard from Wisconsin Whitewater so division three school um, has been rapidly going up everybody's draft boards over the last year or so um, guard center probably ought to be a a third round pick um, maybe late second round pick so it's not beyond the realms of possibility if the, if the Packers haven't gone you know center in round one that he could be the Packers pick in round two he'd be a hugely hugely popular pick um, so I just wanted to get his his name in there do you know what and again I sort of offered I said look let me try add something to this thing I, I do that tiny free agency thing so I said look I, I've been trying to pen some stuff so send us across a couple of names and you provided some names and I was sort of sketching the guys out and I drew him but Peter the difficulty I had to find a picture with him without his belly out um, was quite incredible. Yeah. Do you see what what is with that? He's you know he's really rocking the whole tank top, um, sort of belly top thing. What he seems to be a bit of a character, Pete. Do you know much about yes. his? Is he just a bit of a joker, a typical offensive line uh, goofball? Yeah, yeah. He seems to he seems to be a, a real a real character, and 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 has been appearing on some of the NFL shows recently. Yeah. Um, um, either Good Morning Football or Total Access or one of those. He he turns up on there once once in a blue moon, but yeah, he's a. You know, he wrestled in high school. He's, he's, um, yeah. I mean, I think, I think, from everything we can gather from off the field, he's, he's a laid back type of type of guy. But on the field, I think he's got that. And I ha- hate to use this word, but he's got that nasty streak that offensive linemen have to have. Yeah. Um, you know, I and mean, when we saw him at the Senior Bowl, which is the only time that we've seen him, you know, in amongst the top level players, he was outstanding at the, at the senior bowl. So it's jumping from, from that division three, that low college level up to the highest level of, you know, of, of college players and, mm. and um, was, was outstanding. So yeah, he'd be a very, very popular pick in, in, he, he in did Wisconsin. create a t-shirt. Um, he did create a t-shirt called belly of the beast. So he's quite used to showing <laughs> his belly. Out. He, did, he had a t-shirt printed for a charity, I think. And uh, he had belly of the beast on it. So uh, that was pretty cool. cool. It does look like a great guy. And we do see, you know, we saw, you know, what was it, Whitewater Jesus um, and all that kind of stuff, Kumro, and everyone goes a bit bonkers. And then we see these stories. Undoubtedly, if he does get drafted, you know, we're going to know absolutely everything about him, what he had for breakfast. You can almost see it uh, when he gets his belly out anyway, kind of what he eats, Weedabix, probably, uh, loads of spuds, yeah. pasta, um, things like that. You can almost count it uh, in his stomach because he's always getting it out. Absolute character. Look, it's been fantastic. This is part one of hopefully a three-part series. Um, it's been fantastic. Uh, Peter, again, massive thanks. And it's got a huge reaction online, this draft guide. Um, it's an absolute staple now of people's, um, you know, sort of annual draft meal, if you will. So it's uh, fantastic to have it and good to have you on to go through it yourself. Um, but that's it, boys. Um, so we'll talk defense 
which is the what's between you and the neighbor's house. And then uh, after that, we'll be talking about sort of final thoughts, um, final predictions and stuff like that. And again, do stick close to at IT Hedgehog um, on Twitter as well, because if you want sort of to delve in deeply. And Peter, I have now volunteered you to answer all questions that people have at all hours of the day. So congratulations (laughs) for that. No, Um, no, that would be be absolutely great to get some questions, wouldn't it? That would be that would be cool. Because every because everybody has different opinions about the draft and what's great about it even 10 years from now we'll mm. still be arguing about who was right yeah so um yeah no that's cool there you go so peter jones at it hedgehog daryl j o'brien at daryl j o'brien on twitter for him at steve diddy just what my name at steve the nfl on twitter you can give me a follow if you're that way inclined and it says a lot about you you can follow me on instagram at the potty packer but you have to type that into instagram which is unbelievably right it's it's self-racist is that the thing you know, it's a self-esteem thing, I think. And then, of course, follow the groups at UK Packers on all social media channels as well. And we'll be doing some great coverage um, over this period. So anyway, exciting times, boys. Thanks for joining uh, on the podcast. Everyone has been super duper great. And let's uh, let Pete relax, chill out. Yeah. And then we just fire more questions. But I would, if I were you, Peter, I'd get on with next year's draft guide. I mean, you're wasting time here this yeah, year. What so are you doing? Right, this one, yeah, we right. just get on with it. Peter. Actually, we've done this podcast now for about an hour. Peter, kind of slacking off, to be honest. I mean, yeah. it seems like he's just waffling, doesn't it? There, he's just trying to get away from yeah. doing these. Yeah, things it really down. is. You should really just knuckle down and get on with next year's draft guide, please. Mm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I consider myself told. <laughs> You know, like it's just going to be a picture with Pete with two fingers up after. It's just just be the image, and that's <laughs> yeah. the last we'll ever hear of Pete. Um, but yeah, outstanding work uh, again, and definitely deserve that rest after. Again, obviously Pete after you produce the other draft guide, then you definitely deserve rest. Um, and I do hope that twenty twenty three draft guide is also in the works because you know, let's face it. You know, we need you to jump in there, bro. But anyway, look, if he's not snapped up by the Packers themselves, in the meantime, we'll be talking to you uh, all about the defense on the draft next week. See you then. <laughs>